Today's scripture is taken from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to be with you guys, even though it is cold and rainy. My name is Damien. I'm the pastor here at New City, and I have the privilege of preaching again in our sermon series all about the church in the world. What is the role of the church in the world? So Ben mentioned uh, next week we are concluding this series, and so today I want to make sure that we don't overlook something very, very fundamental, very simple. You know, if you're familiar with this passage at all that we just read, or it's in your worship uh, guide here, you may have heard it called the Great Commission. And the reason is, is because a commission is something that someone with authority can pass on, right? I can't commission anybody if I don't have the authority to do so. But Jesus says he has all authority in heaven and on earth. That means that he can commission. And because he says he has all authority, and this is the risen Lord, the church has come to call this the Great Commission. Now, if you've heard it taught on or you've you've read this passage before, you probably have been pointed to the word go, and that's the emphasis of this Great Commission. And that's not entirely wrong. There are good reasons for that. For example, if we look and we see the word go and make disciples of all nations— We have this idea of all nations, and in order to see all nations discipled, we must go. Well, that makes sense. But grammatically speaking, the emphasis is actually not on go. It's actually not even a command in uh, the Greek text. Now, there are good reasons why we translate the word go. That's not my point. But my point is that when the word go is so strong right at the front, we actually can skip over the true emphasis in the Great Commission that Jesus gives us. The actual grammatical emphasis in Jesus' teaching in this passage, and remember, these are the very final words that Jesus gives his disciples in the Gospel of Matthew. Okay, so whatever your final words are, that matters. The emphasis is actually make disciples. That's the emphasis. You could say, as you are going in the world, make disciples. Of all nations. Now, all nations simply means make disciples everywhere, everywhere you are, everywhere you go. No one is excluded from this. Make disciples. So that's the emphasis. And our mission at New City is to make whole life disciples for their callings. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. And so if you have a pen and you have your worship guide, I would invite you to draw. Uh, a, a bullseye, basically. You can start on the outside. Kids, this will be perfect if you want to pause your coloring. Okay, you can, you can find a sheet and you can draw a bullseye. So if you don't know what that looks like, just draw a big circle and then a smaller circle in, inside of that and then an even smaller circle. And then you should have three circles. And if you'd like, you can write on the very center circle the word communion and ask your parents how to spell that. And then on the next circle, you can write the word community. And then on the the biggest circle, you can write the word 
co-mission. Now, as you're doing that, I'm going to come back to that. But the reason that's important is because when we say at New City, we want to make whole life disciples for their callings, we have to define a whole life disciple. And to us, a whole life disciple is someone who increasingly is growing in communion with God through word and prayer, community with one another in this church through knowing and being known and commission for the world in our witness and our work. Okay, I've said it many times. We're going to keep saying it. This isn't the last time we'll say it, but I want to put that out there on the front end of the sermon, which is all about making disciples so that we can keep coming back to it. Now, discipleship seems to be something so easy, at least in Christian circles, if you've been around, the word disciple is used all the time. What do we even mean by making disciples? And what's interesting is whatever we mean, it doesn't always happen, does it? It doesn't happen in the local church. I find that in a, in a chaotic world, when we have so many things coming at us, it's easy to lose sight of the main thing. Whatever it is, the main thing is almost always the first thing to go when more and more comes at you. A simple example. Think about whenever you're leaving for work in the morning or you're leaving the house and you get in the car, you're pulling out of the driveway and all of a sudden you remember you forgot something really important. So you put the car in park, you go back in the house, you grab something, you come back out, you put the car in drive and as you're pulling out, you realize that's not even the reason I went in the house. You know what this is like. So you got to put it in park and you got to go back in and get the thing that you originally remembered you forgot because you went in the house, you saw something else and it distracted you. Right? These things happen to us. We could just walk in a room and that happens to us. Or we walk into a room and we know there's something really important we're supposed to do or get. And then it just slips our mind. Discipleship, making disciples in the church, not just New City, but the church in general has been something like that. We've gone, we've set out to do it and we get distracted by something else and we fail to do it. And then we remember and we come back. And I've been helped by a mentor of mine uh, through reading, Dallas Willard, He said, every church has to ask and answer two simple questions and then just keep answering and asking those questions. The first question is, what is our plan for making disciples? The second question is, does our plan work? And keep asking and answering those questions. And he says, the amazing thing is it doesn't even take a budget to do it. You just ask these questions. So Jesus this morning is going to call us back to this core mission of the church, the emphasis of his last words to this church, uh, to the church, and that is make disciples. As as short as the passage is, we're not going to get to everything. Just know that we're really going to lean in on two questions, two simple but important questions that I don't want to overlook in this series. And that is, what is a disciple? And what is discipleship? Now, I'll tell you why discipleship and how it's different in a minute, of course. But what is a disciple? Let's start there. Simply put, this is my definition mixed with others, is that a disciple, a disciple is a person who has turned from being the master of their own life and has now made their highest aim in life to become like their master, Jesus. It's a person who has turned from being the master of their own life and now has made their highest aim in life to become like their master, Jesus. So you may have heard a disciple then is a student. A disciple is a learner. And that's true and that's right. But I want to introduce another word that overlaps with those that might be a little bit different to us. And that is 
A disciple is an apprentice of Jesus. Jesus is calling for apprentices. And the reason I like that word, and I'm not the one who comes up with that, is because for us to be a student or to be a learner can be pretty abstract from real life. Right? Education, information is so ubiquitous, it's always coming at us. We could think that we know something when in fact we know about that thing. And so what I want to say is I'm not leaving behind the language of of learner or or student or, or teacher. But I want to do apprentice because an apprentice has to learn things, but an apprentice also has to put that into action. An apprentice has to follow. An apprentice has to do something with what they've learned. An apprentice cannot simply master abstract ideas. They must learn to do what their master is teaching them. They must embody the practice of that person they are apprenticing. Imagine, imagine that you wanted to be in construction and you wanted to build design, like, um, like homes, um, uh, designed homes for families. Okay. And you just, we're going to do one at a time and you wanted it to be really well done. And you realized I need to find a master construction worker to teach me how to do this. And so you go and you find that person and you find out that he's taking apprentices. He or she is taking apprentices, right? And you say, I want to follow this person. I want to be in their apprenticeship. And imagine you get a few months into it and you ask, hey, when am I going to actually get to cut something or, or hammer a nail? And the, they looked at you and said, oh, that, that, that's not what we do in this apprenticeship. I just tell you what to do. And then after you're done, you go figure out how to do it. You would say, that's not actually what I had hoped for. I'm here so that you can show me how to do this. So imagine that person finished that apprenticeship and they said, I'm an apprentice of, and they named this, this really well-known construction worker. And then you find out though, oh, they've never actually nailed anything. They've never actually cut a piece of wood. Would you hire that person to build your house? No. What about a surgeon? What about if in a residency, the surgeon only watched one and never did one, right? Watch one, do one, teach one. What if they only watched and they never got to do and they somehow were able to finish this residency program having never actually taken up a scalpel? Would you hire that surgeon to do your surgery? Would you even call them a surgeon? I doubt it. So we know that learning from textbooks is important, but it's not enough. And learning the science of surgery or the craft of construction from textbooks and from YouTube videos isn't enough, but you actually have to practice construction. You actually have to practice medicine. You see, discipleship is like that. Discipleship, a disciple is different than merely knowing facts or ascribing to ideas. And as one commentator put it this way, the life of a disciple is different because of his attachment to Jesus. The master is not giving a command that will merely secure some nominal adherence to a group of people, but, but one that will secure wholehearted commitment to a person. And so you see, to be a disciple is to give yourself fully to the master in every way. And so a disciple has nothing more important to do than become like Jesus in their whole life. Nothing. A disciple has nothing more important to do than become like Jesus in their whole life. And that means a non-disciple does have something more important to do than becoming like Jesus in their whole life. 
This is why our mission at New City is to make whole life disciples, not to get more members or to get more regular attenders, but to make whole life disciples. Now, I said that's what a disciple is. A disciple is a person who has committed themselves, and now I'll use different language, as an apprentice of Jesus in their whole life. A disciple is a person who's made nothing more important to them than becoming like Jesus, their master, in their whole life. But then the question would be, the the second question we're asking today is, what is discipleship? Now you'll notice in our text, discipleship isn't in there. The word discipleship isn't in there. But if you think about an apprentice, there's an apprenticeship, right? What are you referring to? You're referring to the process by which a person is apprenticed. And so when we in the church use the word discipleship, what we're meaning is this is the process by which a disciple is made, by which a disciple grows. And the word process is really, really important. So I would say discipleship is a lifelong process in which we learn to apprentice Jesus in every area of our life which means class is in session all the time. Class is always in session. Jesus' command to make disciples in our passage today denotes process because to make anything is a process, right? If you say, I'm going to make dinner, do you just do one thing and it's done? No, you get something out of the refrigerator, you get the ingredients together, you put them together, you turn on the stove or the oven. It's a process. You don't set out to make anything apart from a process. Discipleship is the same way. It's a process. And the process of discipleship is aimed at bringing about, Jesus says, obedience to all that he has commanded. So given the fact that it's a process, we would expect growth over time in obedience. Growth over time, not overnight, and not always up and to the right. Now, I didn't even try that. And when I was reading over my notes this morning, I realized, wow, that's kind of a rhyme. So I'll say it again. If discipleship is a process, it's not a process that happens overnight. It happens over time. And it's not always up and to the right. You know what I mean by always up and to the right? It means always progressing, always getting it right every time. That the line is straight from where I am now to being obedient increasingly. No, it actually is very much like this. Well, up and to the right is for you, it's this way. So it's actually very much like this. And there are some setbacks and there's some stumbles and there are some falls. And you know how I know this and I'm not just trying to make us feel better about ourselves. Who is the master discipler? Jesus. Have you, ever, have you ever read the gospels? Have you ever seen what it was like for him to try to disciple those people? It was not up and to the right. It was trying and failing. It was, oh, you of little faith. It was, follow me. Look me in the eye, Peter. Look me in the eye. Don't look over here. Don't look down at the water. Look me in the eye. And he sinks, pull him up. It's okay. We'll keep going. One step, one step. It's a process. This is discipleship. And discipleship is a process. But this shouldn't surprise us. Somehow I think we think that the growth in the Christian life or discipleship, growth and obedience to Jesus somehow should come differently to us than anything else we learn how to do does. As though like being a human being is good for every part of our life except our Christian part where all of a sudden we should just get things somehow because we're a Christian. Let me ask you something. How do you learn anything? How did you learn how to create those awesome spreadsheets in Excel? And you know who I'm talking to. You know if you're good at Excel right now, you feel good. And I've seen some of you make some Excel spreadsheets, and I doubt it just happened. 
I doubt you've thought in your mind, oh, this is what I need to do in this spreadsheet. And it just happened. Oh, how did you learn how to do that? How did you learn how to play an instrument as well as you do? Do you think anybody on the stage today just decided, emailed Josh and said, hey, I'd really like to be up there sometime. Never done it before, but I want to do it so it makes sense. No. How did you learn how to perform that delicate procedure on a patient or how to sit that way with a client and listen? How did you learn how to build your company? How did you learn how to read or to do math? This is what you did. You, you got a teacher and you listened to them very carefully and then you imitated them and then you practiced a lot. You got a teacher, you paid attention to what they said and you listened to them carefully and you practiced a lot. Discipleship is the exact same way. How do you get better at anything? You give yourself to it. You go to school. You learn. You ask questions. You try. You fail. And you show up even when you don't feel like it. That's how you get better at anything. Do you want to love your wife as Christ loved the church? If you're married. Do you want to love your neighbor as yourself? Do you want to honor your father and mother even when it's difficult? Do you want to be dependent on Jesus in your daily life, moment by moment? You're going to have to learn how to do that. It's not going to come naturally to you. You're going to have to try and you're going to have to fail and you have to go back to the master. And you're going to have to get people around you and you're going to have to ask them questions. You're going to have to imitate someone who's a little farther along than you are. And you're going to submit yourself to them in that area. And so am I. You have to learn how to do those things. Now, Jesus had to as well. This is no different than what Jesus himself, not just how he discipled, but how he grew, how he developed. And we are not greater than our master. That's what Jesus tells us. Jesus needed to learn obedience. The writer of the Hebrews says this, although he was a son, he learned obedience. He learned obedience by what he suffered. And in the context, it's not only the Passion Week, it's his whole life. What he suffered, he learned obedience. Very early on in Luke's gospel in chapter two, Luke tells us right after Jesus is found in the temple asking all sorts of questions and his parents go back and find him. It tells us that Jesus grew or increased, depending on your translation, in wisdom. He didn't know everything. He had to ask. He grew in wisdom and in stature. Obviously he was a child, he grew and in favor with God and with man. This is normal developmental reality for a human being. And Jesus himself had to experience this because he was fully human. And so the first question of discipleship, the process is not, am I a good disciple? It's actually not the question because it depends on what day you would ask. Right? There are good days, there are bad days, there are challenging days. That's not the first question, am I a good disciple? I think the first question of discipleship, the fundamental question is all about your desires and intentions. And it's, do I want to be a disciple? Do I want to give myself to apprenticing Jesus in all of my life? Do I want that? And then if the answer to that is yes, then is do I intend to take the steps necessary of discipleship? And then what means am I going to use? What means am I going to engage? And so 
I was reading this old Christianity Today article. It was an interview, again, of Dallas Willard. And the, the question was about where did discipleship go in the church? And if you know anything about Dallas Willard, Dallas Willard wrote a lot on discipleship. And he had a lot of helpful things to say. And, and his response to where did discipleship go was, well, generally what I actually find is that most people who come to church are basically running their lives on their own, utilizing their natural abilities to negotiate their way through life. He goes on to say, they believe then that there is a God and they need to check in with him, but they don't have any sense that he's an active agent in their lives. And as a result, they don't become apprentices of Jesus. I added that word. He actually says disciples. They don't become apprentices of Jesus in all of their life. Now, right now, I can imagine you feeling certain ways, but one, one thing I want to speak to is that sometimes I think when we talk about discipleship, we tend to think of discipleship as mainly a program, something that we do on the side of everything else we do. And if we think about discipleship that way, that's exhausting. If we think about discipleship that way, at best, it's impractical to our everyday lives because who has time to add anything else? Or at worst, it's impossible. Right? The Christian life would not be practical or possible unless discipleship is a moment-by-moment apprenticing of Jesus in my life right now. Do you see the difference? Class is always in session. You don't leave your life to go to discipleship. You don't leave your life to go get discipled in any sense, any meaningful sense, I should say. If we have to be disciples on top of everything else that we do day in and day out, that's exhausting. But what if, what if Jesus is called to be a disciple? What if Jesus is called to discipleship is to apprentice him, to be his disciple wherever you are in your life right now. And to live your life as an apprentice would be to ask yourself, how would Jesus disciple my particular kids if he were doing it? How would Jesus engage my particular neighbors if he lived next to them? How would Jesus treat my clients or patients if they were his? How would Jesus run my company, given my industry and employees? How would Jesus spend my money if he were me? You see, this is slightly different than the what would Jesus do reality. It's actually a little different. It's what would Jesus do if he were me? Because the goal of the apprentice is to become like the master. So that question is helpful to us. And what's amazing about this is that whatever you do day in and day out, it is absolutely conceivable that Jesus could have been born into that life. Right? Why did he have to be a construction worker? A carpenter? I don't know. I mean, he was. But what was any different between that or a farmer? You see, it wouldn't have mattered. Jesus still could have been the master having done anything, which means you and I can apprentice the master whatever we do and wherever we are. We can follow him every day, all the time in discipleship. 
And we believe this is true at New City, which is why our mission statement is to make whole life disciples for their callings. We actually don't think that our mission is to call you out of your life to do something at church, to get you to help us build this thing called New City. No, you, New City exists to equip all of you to apprentice Jesus wherever he sends you. That's why any church actually exists. Any church that understands that this is the main thing. But again, I understand all of us can get distracted. All of us can get distracted, including churches, of what the main thing is. It's very easy. And we will and have been distracted before. But we have to keep calling ourselves back to those two questions. What's our plan to make disciples? How are we doing? Now, I want to end with an illustration to try to to bring this together, particularly because Well, what is my role? Sometimes when I talk to people, they'll say, well, what is my role in growing? Because doesn't God grow me? So what, what do I do to put into this, right? What kind of work do I put into this? And, and so I have this illustration, metaphors, illustrations always break down. Analogies always break down at some level. But I'm going to try it. And I've heard some of it before. I'm trying to build on it. We'll see what happens, Okay. We live in Florida. There's a lot, of, a lot of lakes around here, okay? So let's imagine discipleship as a water sport, okay? There are three ways, at least, I can imagine moving on the water. One would be jump in a kayak and just start going, right? You jump on a kayak and you just start paddling as fast as you can, getting as far as you can. It's all about effort. You're not using any wind. There's no power except yourself. You're just going, okay? I would... Okay, next one. Uh, before I say that, next one. Some, of, some people would say, I'm, I'm more of the lazy river type of style, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out the inner tube on the water and I'm just going to sit in it and I'm just going to let the wind take me wherever it goes, okay? And wherever I end up, that's where the wind wanted me to go. All right, so in discipleship, what would that be? Well, some of us, we hear a sermon like this and we get really motivated and we think, I'm going to get in the kayak and just go. I'm going to grow. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. It's all in your own power. You just go. Okay, I'm, I'm suggesting that's not a good idea. Some of you will say, well, I'm just going to make sure I'm in the water. I'm going to let the wind take me wherever it goes. I'm suggesting that's also not a good idea. Okay? What I'm going to suggest is that discipleship is more like water skiing. That's how we move in the water. Think about water skiing. Okay, the skier has absolutely no power to move him or herself. Do they? No. In fact, when you're a beginning skier to get up out of the water, even most basic skiing, what is the temptation that keeps you from actually getting up and moving? It's trying to help the boat. You ever done that? You ever seen people try to help the boat stand up? Right? So it, it sort of goes and they sort of try to pull themselves up to help the boat get them out of the water. And they're just doing this all over the place and totally exhausted. And then they watch other people who can ski effortlessly just pop up out of the water and move. How do you do that? Oh, you let the boat pull you up. Well, how do you do that? Well, you kind of just sit there and when it starts pulling, you just stand up. You don't pull yourself up. We know this, and some of you are shaking your heads like, yeah, yeah, I know this. But if you've never been on the water, just know, when you do it, don't try to help the boat. The boat is much stronger than you. You're not going to move anywhere if you try to help the boat. In fact, it's just going to pull you over. 
All right. And so now imagine with me, you, you, you've learned, okay, I'm moving now. I'm actually moving in the boat. The boat is the power source. Okay. So in my illustration, in my metaphor, this is the power of God. This is God himself. This is our master who's discipling us. All the power of moving us anywhere is outside of us. It's in the boat. But once you're up, you can get better at water skiing. Can you not? You can get a lot better. You can actually get really good at it. But in order to go from just being able to stand up to being better at it, there's going to be a lot of falls and there's going to be some that hurt. But guess what? You have a life jacket on. You're not going to sink. And the boat's always going to come back and get you. Always. You're never going to be stranded. You're never going to be left behind. You're always safe. You see, you'll never be abandoned. And the power is not in yourself. You see, growth in discipleship, growth as a disciple is always a gift. But it's never an accident. You don't just drift towards growth. But you're not in charge either. And this is the mystery, isn't it? This is the mystery. And I don't know how else to say it. Except that to be an apprentice of Jesus is to grow. It is to make the primary thing in your life to become like the master. It's not to leave your life and go somewhere else to become a disciple. It's day in and day out turning to the master and saying, what would you have me do today? And where I want to leave us is where Jesus leaves his disciples and us, which is the invitation here at the end. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is actually where Matthew started his gospel in chapter 1, verse 23. The angel comes to Mary and says, this baby that you're going to have, he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so to be an apprentice, to join us at New City and making whole life disciples, when you look down at that bullseye, we're asking you to join us in this process of discipleship that will have lots of failures, lots of up and downs. We're asking you to join us in this. And the only hope we have is that God is with us. Let's pray. Father, we ask you that you would, in fact, do this, that you would humble us all. Humble us all. We all really think we can help the boat out. We all really think that we are strong enough to pull ourselves up, and we're not. As we reflect on where you would have us and call us next, we ask that we would look to you, Jesus, that we would trust you increasingly, and that we would know what it means more and more to follow you in all of our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.